fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, darn right it is. It's a pre-Friday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week. I don't care what anybody says, man. We see the light at the end of the tunnel. We still have our get-go. Let's have some fun. And boy, do we have a lot of things to talk about today on the show. Welcome into the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. But we are all over the country, multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the program. Welcome. We love you to death, as always, your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Outside of just budgetary issues, we've talked about debt ceiling caps here for a while. Democrats finally saying they're coming and willing to come and compromise and talk. And of course, we're going to look at some long-term budget cuts, but you just need to raise the debt ceiling. Uh-huh. That's after the Biden administration said that that was a non-starter for conversation. We're not going to talk much about that today. We've talked about that quite ad nauseum the last few days, but we'll get to some other issues. The Democrats acting like the children they are, throwing their ultimate temper tantrums. We'll get to that in a bit. We have the Democrats rebranding themselves, obviously, and some other issues as well. Don't want to waste any time, though, as we have our guests right out of the gate today. Usually we wait a little bit, but right out of the gate, we're going to start off the program with our next guest. What's trending today? And as we go into the month of February, as you know, the month of February is Black History Month. That's awesome. Let's remember some cool history from great individuals and great Americans. Why we have to selectively uh, choose based on identity politics is something that bothers me. But nonetheless, we are here. And as we continue to see, quote unquote, and I say that with air quotes for our radio listeners because of the way the media tries to portray some of this, we see division and the hate And remember, Republicans, apparently, the conservatives, the MAGA movement, are the radical domestic terrorists. We are the most radical political organization in the history of the United States, according to the Biden administration and many on the progressive left-wing liberal Democrat side. Is that the truth? And are we just the gun-toting right-wing nutjobs that cling to our guns and Bibles waiting to shoot the first person that looks differently, that acts differently, and that says different things than us? I'm curious on whether that's the truth or not. Excited to have on the program right out of the gate today for a Thursday. He's the co-founder and CEO of Good Kid Productions. He also has his latest documentary out, which we will share on our social media as well and all the live links for the live stream videos that we have, the new documentary, The Broken Boys of Kenosha. Excited to have on the program here, Rob Montz. Rob, how are you, my friend? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on the program. That's uh, I kind of teed this up. Is Are we seeing the division that the media tells us and the, the truth of Kenosha or uh, with other incidences where minorities have been uh, attacked and abused and shot and killed and beat up? Is that the real world of America, and do we have our guns and Bibles clinging to us to where we just can't wait to shoot somebody that's different than us? <laughs> well, I think a, a good a good habit for people to adopt is just assume that after something like the Memphis shooting, at least for the first 72 hours, they should ignore all the media coverage mm. and assume that anything that's being said about the shooting is actively anti-truth. Uh, honestly, they should be, given, given like the propagandistic nature of news coverage, particularly of heated issues of race and the police, which is what the Kenosha documentary deals with. I think people, 
maybe your audience is sort of vaguely familiar with Kenosha, vaguely remembers it. In the summer of 2020, Kenosha, which is this kind of small bedroom community in the American Midwest, had this unique distinction of birthing two separate mega viral news stories in a matter of just 72 hours. The first one, as you hinted at, was a, this is maybe a week after George Floyd, uh, a black man by the name of Jacob Blake was shot by a white police officer. And a video, a short video of that shooting was posted on social media, and it promptly went mega viral. I mean, the virality was fueled by the corporate media establishment who threw like the full weight of their influence behind selling to the American people the idea that this was George Floyd 2.0, right? Like another instance of vicious institutional racism. Sure. Then that coverage inspires somewhere between five to 6,000 outside protesters, agitators, violent rioters to descend on Kenosha, right? And they go hog wild and incinerate tons of businesses, including a bunch of black-owned businesses. And then on the third night of riots, Kyle Rittenhouse shows up to Kenosha. And that, of course, births another new mega viral national fascination. And uh, the, the documentary, I, I will tell the audience, the doc- documentary goes in unexpected places. It deconstructs myths of various partisan persuasions. But the opening, the opening third, is delving specifically into the, the propagandistic lies surrounding the shooting of Jacob Blake. We kind of identify seven core things that essentially every media company in the country was saying about it and show how every single one of them was a lie. <laughs> every single one of them was a lie. And, our, and that section is based primarily on an interview we did with the former Attorney General Bill Barr, sure. who is a man who would know something about the, um, the justice system and policing in America. It's a it's fascinating story because I don't think a lot of people are aware. I mean, obviously, being in the media, we covered the we covered the issues, but I don't think a lot of individuals knew what even led up to the protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin, that led to Kyle Rittenhouse being there. All they knew was that there was a Black Lives Matter movement and that they were destroying the town. And I mean, we heard the reports of the burning of car dealerships and small businesses and just random people running around the streets. And then all of a sudden, this you're, you're right, this white kid that came across state lines, which was their big talking point. If he came across state lines, he went over. Over there, and he had this evil firearm that was very scary, and he went over and ended up shooting individuals because he's a white supremacist or a racist or just wanted to cause havoc and try and shoot up uh, protesters. That's the narrative that we got from the mainstream media, and we didn't even know what led up to this from the first place. Right, and there's ways in which I think the right overreacted to the lies of the media and the way mm-hmm. that they portrayed Rittenhouse. We, we can get into a little bit later. Sure. Um, I don't think that he's a bad guy. I think that he went there fueled with idealism, but I think that there are core parts of his story that got obscured by a understandable allergic reaction to the lies that left by by the the, the right. Sure. Now again, so again, the, the doc we're talking about is on just it's on our YouTube channel, Good Kid Productions. We're actively being censored by YouTube right now, so you can find it, but you got to sign in and you got to click a button that says you acknowledge that what you're about to watch is mature. Uh, content. We yeah, get I thought into they that took it off bit, for a second because I had to click Silic- on that myself. My Silicon Valley overlords <laughs> are not happy with us bursting woke narratives related to the shooting of uh, quote-unquote unarmed black men. But the um, the documentary just definitively shows that everything that they said about that, I mean, here's what it is. Yeah, yeah that's true. The, the, Jacob Blake shooting, the Jacob Blake shooting got sold to us as 
a white racist gunning down an innocent black man and putting his children at risk. That's what we were told. That's the line. Right. Right. It's said so much and by so many different media institutions. I don't think everybody's on a shared Slack channel, but it certainly feels like it. Or they all just went to the same uh, nine elite institutions of higher education and got their talking points junior year. And it turns out, in reality, what it was, was a white man preventing the kidnapping of two black boys. Mm. That's what it actually was. There could not be a greater distance between the fictionalized narrative and the truth on the ground. And just so often, just given the nature of modern media, stuff like this comes up, people watch it on their phones, squeeze a little bit of partisan pleasure from it, and then move on, right? You kind of forget. You right. forget. Nobody ever goes back, and nobody asks, like, the essential, obvious questions. How much of the story that was propagated and manufactured by the media actually matches physical reality? It's like, how much, like, wow, what's the distance? What's the distance there? Well, and then one other thing, and then, and then I'll stop talking, which is that I do want to tease for our audience, though. The first half is demolishing those lies. Yeah. But we also found what I believe to be a historically important trauma that is shared by Jacob Blake, Kyle Rittenhouse, and two other key members of the Kenosha tragedy. Something that connects the four of them that is a monumentally important challenge for modern-day America that doesn't fit new partisan narratives and that largely got ignored by the left and the left. That's good. And I'm so glad that you found those. And I'm so glad that you report on those because these issues shouldn't be a partisan matter. It shouldn't be just a white versus black, Republican versus Democrat, liberal versus conservative. It shouldn't be. It should be about a humanitarian issue. And you would think that someone with half of the values or morals in the world out there should think and say, you know what, instead of doing a whatever it was, the Black Lives Matter protest, whoever was rioting out there and burning down the streets, by seeing this video, because it was such a shortened clip, we should say what's really going on. And when you find out that he's trying to traffic two children, and when you find out that the police are trying to stop that, then it should be a universal harmony of saying, well, you know what, maybe he shouldn't have been shot the way he was, although the video shows that he might have been going for something. We're not quite sure. I don't know what the case looked like after the investigation. But he was a bad guy, and we're saving children from a scenario of actually being kidnapped, maybe that should change the narrative a little bit, but people don't look that deep into it, which is really sad, I think. Yeah, I mean, do you get the impression in the wake of this Memphis shooting that the uh, corporate media establishment has learned to be slightly more humble and skeptical of their instincts to try to fit <laughs> every police shooting into a Black Lives Matter narrative? Do you get that sense? I don't mm, get that impression. Yeah, I don't get that impression at all. The game doesn't appear to be working as well right now. People are not as primed for it, but that's not the sense that I got. Not that when I read about it in the New York Times, wasn't the sense that I got. Yeah. So it, there has not been a humbling. There's not been a humbling. Which and is weird. I, After a lawsuit from Kyle Rittenhouse and the millions of dollars that he won in settlements against the mainstream media, you would think they would try to back off a little bit. Right. But let's get into Kyle a little bit, all right? I mean, again, the conversation has been so uh, friendly so far. I don't want to, you know, we're not, we're, not, we're not debating anything. But just, you know, sure. I, uh, I, I think what a lot of, obviously, he went down there because of the catastrophic failures of Wisconsin leadership to properly protect Kenosha. The governor, who just got reelected, had been told, you need to flood Kenosha with National Guard ASAP because these protesters are going to burn things down if you don't. And he refused. And that's why Kyle was needed, right? Yeah. But I think that one can look past and deconstruct the martyr narrative around him to ask the more fundamental question of, 
what 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 circumstances led to a 17 year old being let out of the house to grab an AR-15 and walk into a war zone? Right. Well, what were the circumstances? And I don't want to give too much away, but I will say, I'll put it like this: If I had a son, even if he was as intelligent and as articulate and idealistic as Kyle Rittenhouse, on that third night of rioting in Kenosha, if he told me he wanted to get a gun and go protect a used car lot, I'd say no way in hell. Yeah, I'd say no way in hell. Not because he's a bad guy, but because he's a teenager. Particularly, he's a teenage boy, and teenage boys are prone to illusions of grandeur that can get them killed under bad circumstances. Sure. So uh, there's the second half of our documentary deals particularly with this crisis of fatherlessness in America. I completely Kyle agree. Rittenhouse didn't have a dad. Jacob Blake didn't have a dad. A couple other key figures didn't have a dad. And this is a monumentally important trend in this country. One out of every three boys in this country grow up without fathers. Yeah. And we're getting, we're getting to witness in real time the spiritual and economic wreckage of that trend. Man. And it's not pretty. It's, you know, not, it's not pretty. pretty. Rob, we got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about Awesome. I love it. I love the conversation. You're right. That is a major issue that needs to be focused on. And it's not, it, like you mentioned, it's not a partisan issue. It's the family unit that's deteriorating where we're going to see more of these issues on both sides of the aisle, unfortunately, because of the breaking apart of that fabric of society. We'll continue that conversation with Rob Mont. It is the documentary, The Broken Boys of Kenosha. We'll share the link on YouTube. You can find it on there as well at Good Kids Production. Lots more coming up. Stay here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Moving right along for a pre-Friday, 24 minutes past the hour. Short segment here. Right around the corner, we have some if in new news information out of Washington, D.C. The committee is being changed, being nominated for certain elected officials. <laughs> Not so much for others. We'll get to that here in just a moment. Right now, we're talking about division in the country, the similarities. What are we seeing? What kind of pattern are we seeing with people who are snapping, who are finally just going after each other, who are in trouble and causing trouble or trying to save from trouble. Excited to have on the program is uh, he is the producer of the documentary, The Broken Boys of Kenosha, which you can find on YouTube. Again, we'll share the link of it on our live streams where you can watch it. You can also go to YouTube. Yes, you need to sign in. And yes, you do need to click the little thing because YouTube wants to try and cut it off and silence it for going against the narrative. How dare you? How dare you? Go against that narrative. It's Rob Mont on here. You were uh, as we went into the break. You were talking about how there is some similarities between uh, the victim of Kenosha, between Kyle Rittenhouse of not having a father. These broken families. Are we seeing? And I'm sure with your investigation on other incidences around the nation as well, is that really one of the main factors? One of the common denominators of a missing father, a missing mother, or just the broken family that's leading to certain mental health issues or leading to certain events that happen. Well, it's, we specifically focus on boys, right? Because it turns out there's mounting neuroscientific evidence that I cannot claim to have any expertise in, though, that actually demonstrates that girls, teenage girls, are more resilient to familial um, uh, dissolution than boys are. It kind of, in the, the standard issue narrative about, like, kind of the emotionless, patriarchal men who 
who can kind of brave through anything. It turns out actually not to be true during the most important years of kind of brain development for homo sapien males. And particularly, there's mounting evidence that's substantiating with common sense related to the essential role fathers play in male adolescence, right? I mean, maybe I'm just saying that because right now my kids are all still pretty young and I mostly feel like I'm profoundly incompetent at like still changing diapers and tending to them. And I'm hoping that the glory days as a father will come when I can dispense wisdom to them. But it turns out that actually tends to be true for dads. Like they, they tend to shine and have the highest value add in adolescence. And for boys, what it is, is like adolescence hits this primal programming that floods their brains with neurochemicals that, that compels them to take risks to seek adventure, to conquer, to fight, to engage with violence or whatever. And that energy is powerful, and it does not need to be suppressed, right? Don't drown it out with Adderall, yeah. <laughs> right? Don't, yeah. don't, 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 don't like kind of chemically castrate them or emasculate them. Don't shove them into traditional K-12 schools. We can talk about that later. But you take that energy, and you need to properly funnel it towards productive ends. That's the idea. And the person just through, you know, millennia that that, that that task has naturally fallen to is fathers or father figures, mostly because they've been through it. They've done a lot of moron things when they were high on testosterone when they were 16, right? And they could be like, yo, man, you can try that thing with the fire. You can try that thing with the gun, but it's there's a good, there's a good chance it's not going to work out well for you, right? doesn't mean the boy's going to listen, but that's kind of, you need to have the, the masculine example and just it's what I call there's all this evidence now, sociological evidence that just kind of substantiates this idea that without the dads, yeah. the, uh, a boy's likelihood of spinning off into violent chaos just jumps dramatically. Like literally you take a dad out of the home and the likelihood that a, the average 13 year old American boy, black, white, whatever color you want, yeah. that the, the likelihood that he ends up in jail drops out of high school, or uh, is long-term unemployed, all three of those things double in that life. That's right? insane. All Rob, three of them double in that life. Yeah. Uh, Ron, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that. God, we could yeah. talk about that for hours, and I'd love to get you back on to talk more about that because you're right. Now we're seeing the uh, the uh, ultra-masculinity attack on society, but we got to break it up here. It's The Broken Boys of Kenosha, the documentary on YouTube. Rob, I appreciate it very much, my friend. Let's get you back on again real soon. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, appreciate it. Lots more coming up on The Voice Reason. Stay here. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Turn right, it is. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out on a pre-Friday celebration. Good stuff from Rob Montz. I really wish we could have kept him on longer to talk more about the deeper issues there, and that's more of a philosophical question. But you know what? It's what we like to get into on this program because we're a bit deep here on the show, aren't we? If boys don't have their channeled testosterone channeled, the alpha male channeled into productivity, then they're going to go be destructive. Which the broken system that we have, the broken family unit, the broken family values really just make sense, doesn't it? Then we have the mental illness. We have just the lashing out. We have the uh, mass shootings that are predominantly from boys. 
across uh, schools all over the country. And what are they doing? They say that we need to get rid of our ultra masculinity by going to masculinity confession booths. That's where we're at in society today. Yeah. Yeah, so there we have it. That's a, a very interesting take on it with the similarities going on. Again, we're going to share the link to that documentary on the live streams. Uh, for all the live streams that you can find, you can also go to YouTube and find it yourself. It is the channel Good Kids or Good Kid Productions, Good Kid Productions, and it's called The Broken Boys of Kenosha. It'll come up and say that it's not available, and yes, you have to click it to say it's okay that you can view this because of the triggering content that's on here of learning the truth. <laughs> so, with that being said, let's get into what's trending today. What's trending today? Speaking of the channeled aggression that happened from boys, the adolescent females seem to have this as well, maybe on a little bit more of a type of mentality. And the adolescence doesn't just have to be a 12-year-old girl, but can actually be a full-blown wannabe adult that's in Congress that throws a fit when they don't get what they want, which is what we're seeing in Washington, D.C. today after Ilhan Omar has officially been removed from the Intelligence Committee from the House and Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy booting her out for the things that she's done. This is what she said on the House floor today. Today, it's about who gets to be an American. What oh. opinions do we get to have, do we have to have to be counted as Americans? This is what this debate is about, Madam Speaker. There is this idea that you are a suspect if you are an immigrant or if you are from certain parts of the world or a certain skin tone or a Muslim. It is no accident that members of the Republican Party accused the first black president, Barack Obama, of being a secret Muslim. It is no accident that former President Donald Trump led a birther movement that falsely claimed he was born in Kenya. Because to them, falsely labeling the first and only president of the United States of America, a Muslim and African immigrant, somehow made him less American. Well, I am Muslim. I am an immigrant, and interestingly, from Africa. There it is, boy. Very angry. Get booted from the Intelligence Committee. Oh, those right-wing Republican nutjobs, they're the ones that just hate Muslims. They hate minorities. They hate women. They just hate all of these people. Obviously, they hate the Muslims because Barack Obama was a Muslim. No one, I mean, maybe some said that in the conspiratorial senses. Um, never bought into that. I'm glad you're just lumping things into a grander, larger umbrella of just assumptions here. Oh, they said that he was born in Kenya. No, as far as I know, no one said that he was from Kenya. His father was from Kenya. He was not. And regardless of wherever he was born, he was still a U.S. citizen because his mother was an American. So even if she was abroad, he was still an American just by being born from a mother that's from America. So that doesn't really... I, I mean, I guess people can try and take that from the conspiratorial sense. Doesn't really matter. Because I, you find the fringe and try to go after here. But the anger. I mean, we just talked about the channeling aggression from boys that needs to be in productivity. The women or the girls seem to need to have that as well. Because AOC went on an even worse rampage regarding Ilhan Omar. Uh, as also. 
also, as a fellow New Yorker, I think one of the things that we should talk about here is also one of the disgusting legacies after 9-11 has been the targeting and racism against Muslim Americans throughout the United States of America. And this is an extension of that legacy. Consistency, there is nothing consistent with the Republican Party's continued attack except for the racism and incitement of violence against women of color in this body. I had a member of the Republican caucus threaten my life and you all and the Republican caucus rewarded him with one of the most prestigious committee assignments in this Congress. Don't tell me this is about consistency. Don't tell me that this is about an abdi a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks when you have a member of the Republican caucus who, have who has talked about Jewish space lasers and an, an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened. Thank you. Oh boy. Hey, you need to calm down there a little bit. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Good golly, it's all the victimization, and that's what they do the best, isn't it? And that's why Democrats flourish with some of those that love that victimhood mentality. I am a victim. You are coming after me because of my skin color or my religion or my or my gender or whatever the hell it is. That's what they thrive on. They have zero substance, and it's just untrue. It's factually untrue. Uh, Adam Schiff and... Eric Swalwell and Ilhan Omar have all been booted from the Intelligence Committee for their particular crimes. Eric Swalwell obviously should not be leading, let alone even being on the Intelligence Committee after sleeping with a Chinese spy and then giving out all that information. Uh, to, uh, Adam Schiff, what do they call him, Adam Schiffy Schiff or whatever his name is, uh, he's trying to go into the Senate now because he's all angry with Kevin McCarthy when he was put on another committee, just not the Intelligence because of his abuse of the intelligence information to try and go after a former president for political gain as opposed to using it for what that intelligence committee is actually for. Ilhan Omar, it's very simple on why she got booted off of that, which is using intelligence to try and bastardize again and attack one political organization, which is what Kevin McCarthy said with his response to the temper tantrums being thrown from the other side. What she had said, the anti-Semitic comments, it's all about the Benjamins, the the military in America is equal to Hamas and the Taliban. On 9-11, something happened that day. Even the former Democratic chair of the committee believed her comments were wrong. When a um, resolution was brought up to deal with this last time, she never apologized. They changed the resolution to say anti-Semitism is wrong. We're not removing her from other committees. We just do not believe when it comes to foreign affairs, especially the responsibility of that position around the world with the comments that you make. She shouldn't serve there. But this is what the clear, this, if it was tit for tat, we would have picked people, took them off all committees and said nothing about it. We don't believe in that. I just had a conversation with the minority leader, Hakeem Jeffries. What I asked him to do was to select a couple members uh, along with himself and mine, and I have a couple members, and one's going to be Nancy Mace to help and Ken Buck and some others. And I think what we should do is put into the rules. There is a code of conduct here, but I don't know the definition exactly what all that's going to mean. I think that should be clear. So if there is a concern, it's not tit for tat, but I think in moving forward, every single member of Congress has a responsibility to how they carry themselves. What a concept. What a concept to actually have to carry yourself in a certain manner, uh, but yet 
They get removed because of not being carried by a certain manner, and now they throw a temper tantrum for being punished. I wonder if they're one of those kids that never got punished. They were just one of those that because they could do anything they wanted, their parents were like, oh, okay, we're going to be your best friends. We're going to just let you do anything without punishing you and actually telling you no once in a while. Uh, as Kevin McCarthy said, Ilhan Omar is not being removed from other committees, only the Intelligence Committee from using that information to go after political opponents and calling them racist by using massive amounts of hate speech. And if you remember, the hate speech that came up in Congress just a couple years ago was due to the comments that she had made about the Semitic community and the Jewish community. And then what happened when they started talking about the hate speech bill? They again threw a temper tantrum and the bill went away from anti-Semitism to you're not allowed to hate on and make uh, comments about the Muslim community, which I agree. You shouldn't do that anyways. You shouldn't make comments about derogatory comments about anybody, regardless of what they look like, who they are, or what their beliefs are in any way, shape, or form. We love everybody. That's our motto as the Christian conservative individuals, is that we love everybody regardless. We may disagree with you on politics. We may disagree with you on a religious view. We may disagree with you on your lifestyle. Doesn't matter that we, doesn't matter what that is. We still love you to death. That's our motto. But to them, it's all on the, uh, the self-centeredness. It is all on the anger, channeling that anger that they don't have any channel for productivity for. Uh, as also as a fellow New Yorker. <laughs> oh, man. I can't listen to it again. It's just way too angry. By the way, while she tries to demonize Republicans, let's remember where a lot of the minority community comes from in Congress as well. You had Robert Byrd, who was the head of the KKK, who was an official member of the Democrat and part of the Democrat leadership going into the new realm and the new decade of politics. Uh, on the Republican side, we've had Maya Love. Remember her, who potentially will be coming on the program here in the next week or so with her new book. Maya Love, former congresswoman, was the first black congresswoman in the history of the United States. What party was she from? Oh, that's right. She was a Republican. In fact, she was a solid conservative Republican. We have Tim Scott right now, who's the first black senator from the South, who's a solid conservative Republican because he realizes what party actually believes in individuality and not the groupthink mentality of the big umbrella from the Democrats. That's quite fascinating. Oh, that's right. Myra Flores. Because it's all about women of color, right? That's what AOC said. It's not about the women. It's about women of color. This is some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color. <laughs> the women of color. Myra Flores from Texas. That was a congresswoman for a short term. The first naturally born Mexican woman to serve in Congress was a Republican, not just a Republican, a Trump supporting MAGA Republican who apparently hates women of this color. I'm confused. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. This debate today, it's about who gets to be an American. What opinions do we get to have, do we have to have to be counted as Americans? Really? That's the question? That's the question today. You get booted off the Intelligence Committee because you've made racial slurs and derogatory comments to someone that you don't like based on your religious and political views by calling 
Republicans Nazis by calling Republicans domestic terrorists while you go after the Jewish community. And then when we try to stop you with a hate speech bill, then you turn it around and say, I am a victim. You need to stop the rhetoric against the Muslim community. So what does it take? What does it mean to be an American? And who? what opinions do you have to have as an American? I can tell you that very easily. First off, who gets to be an American is anyone who wants to be an American. And if you come here legally and you actually uh, assimilate to society and you get to be part of the American dream and you understand the greatness of America without fundamentally changing the United States of America, to use the words from Barack Obama, then you get to be an American. Someone who loves this country and understands that we have the opportunities for everyone, the streets paved with gold and equal opportunity, not equal outcome. That makes you an American. When you believe in constitutionalism and individualism, and realize that the Constitution gives you power while it limits the government. Then you're an American. What opinions can you have? You can have any kind of opinion you want to. Except for the fact that you understand that America is great and that you love it. Which is why you want to be part of it. So I don't understand why that's even an issue here. Because it just because you get booted off an intelligence committee while being on other committees means that apparently you uh, are un-American or something. Now, speaking of, by the way, the victimization of women of color, because that's the big speech from AOC, was the women of color being attacked and abused by Republicans. I don't know if you saw the headline today, the latest out of CNN. What's trending today? That a councilwoman out of New Jersey, Unique uh, Eunice, Eunice Dwumfor, I'm going to say it eventually, Dwumfor, D-W-U-M-F-O-U-R, Dwumfor, Eunice Dwumfor, a Republican black councilwoman from New Jersey has been found dead in her vehicle with multiple gunshot wounds. She was a Republican and was found with multiple gunshot wounds in her car she was a black councilwoman from New Jersey. Uh, I wonder what caused that one. Now, it could just be a fluke and could have been robbers that came by, in which case then they need serious crime reform and need to figure out why so many criminals are out there doing things. Was it because she was a Republican? Was it because she was a black woman Republican? What's the deal for her as the investigation's ongoing? That happened earlier today as the 30-year-old councilwoman out of Borough and Sayreville, uh, uh, New Jersey, was found shot dead in her car, uh, according to Authorities found by police with multiple gunshot wounds after 7 p.m. last night pronounced dead on the scene. Interesting. The Democrats right now are going through an identity crisis. And I don't just mean gender crises trying to figure out what gender they are. I mean a true legitimate party identity crisis. Because while they continue to move further and further and further down the road of crazy liberalism and Democrats that are hijacking it through the socialist movement of the AOC nutzos. Body. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened. Thank you. Yeah, that's the temper tantrum children right now. That's the identity of the Democrat Party. And if you don't like that identity as a Democrat, then you should probably work to rebrand the party a little bit and not give her the attention that she needs because she is the low-hanging fruit that we love to pick on because she's absolutely nuts. But the Democrats are trying. And do you know what they're trying to do? They're not trying to be socialist. And you, oh, I take that back. While they're promoting socialism, they're trying not to be called socialist any longer because still the idea 
of socialism's bad resonates in America for the most part. Why the party has gone so far to the left in the Democrats that the moderate, independent, wishy-washy Democrats are not there. Why there was a massive boost in blue-collar workers that went towards Donald Trump. And it just makes them cringe because they don't understand why so many people were going for the business guy as the working class. Because they love not just their class warfare on women of color, but also with the... Uh, class warfare as well. Well, the Democrats have come out with their new brand, the New Democrat Coalition. That's what it's called, the New Democrat Coalition. The headline from the New Democrat Coalition saying, New Democrats reject socialism and call on House Republican leadership to join efforts to grow the economy, saying New Democrats strongly reject socialism, period. <laughs> I tell you what, I'll believe that when you start cutting some of your socialist programs that are government handouts to the American people. When you do that and you actually cut spending, I'll believe that you reject socialism. Until then, your new Democrat coalition leadership members can go somewhere else that I don't want to hear from because we know you're lying and it's a PR stunt. Until then, we're back at it again tomorrow for a Friday. Be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice Series. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.